culture. Is it a seven-letter dirty word? Or is it just what happens when you finally have enough talent in your organization? And do you have control of it or not? We're going to discuss it today on the podcast. Welcome to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Wills. Todd Wills. Hello, welcome to the podcast. For those of you doing episode math, well, this is number 10, but this is also going to be a six-week run on talent. Recruiting, talent, talent management, how to find them, how to keep them, how to make them yours. I've got some great voices coming up. We've got six weeks of them. You can also go back and listen to episode number five with Folia Grace and episode number six with Casey Winters. They also weigh in quite heavily on talent. So between those eight weeks, well, it's a talent masterclass. But today, let's dive into the guy who brought LinkedIn to Europe. Kevin Ayers is an executive coach and a CEO. He works with companies across the board. He's an angel investor. He gets in at those earliest stages and helps direct culture at the very nascent stages of organizations. The guy talks to everybody. He's super smart. He knows this stuff. And today, he's going to talk to us about, well, not being human, making mistakes, and how to build culture along the way. You're in for a real treat. So sit back, take a listen. Let's let Kevin do his thing. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, very excited to have Kevin on today. Um, Kevin, as is traditional in the podcast, you get the opportunity to introduce yourself and tell us why you're so fabulous and why you're here. So with that, Kevin, why are you so fabulous and why are you here? <laughs> Great lead question. Um, so I'm Kevin Ayers. So some of the things that I've done is I've had um, a variety of different successes across um, you know, a few different, uh, a few different great platforms like LinkedIn. I was managing director of LinkedIn in Europe, started it from my spare bedroom um, up to the IPO, managed AltaVista, um, was it Sidestep, Kayak, early days. And now I'm an executive coach and also an investor. So I've now had a chance to see both from internal running a company to investing in a company and also coaching mainly CEOs and execs of high growth tech companies. Perfect. All right. Well, that that's an awesome pedigree, especially one for the book and the podcast, because you fit right into helping founders through all of these different stages and being at that early high growth company, kind of, even if you were in a structure, you were a founder for a geography, for a region, for a location, and then going in and using that as an advisor and now as an executive coach and working with founders and leaders across the board. Um, so with, uh, with that, let's kind of jump right into the, to the first key question of, okay, so you talk to a lot of companies around this idea of growth and scaling and hiring and building great teams. And I'd love to just kind of the softball question, let's start off with, all right, how do you think about, as you help founders and, and coaching along the way, how do you think about helping them think about building great teams and hiring people and the conversation you start with them? Right, so the first real conversation is about um, why. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in Simon Sinek's work on start with why and having the founder be able to articulate why is the company there? What is the vision? What's the mission of that? And ensuring that they understand that you want people who are joining, um, joining in that, that vision, that mission, because having that more of a, a heart connection to what you're doing 
is, you know, what's going to help bring the people all the way through. Uh, clearly, you know, when it comes down to the person themselves, a bit of chemistry, capability, and fit. Um, I always look at that, but it's um, helping the founders understand and be able to articulate why they're there, and then what is it about the person that they're looking for, and then down into the role. But having them articulate all of those different aspects and not just looking for, oh, we need a magical solution. I think that's a lot of times like we just, we need the rock star player that's going to come in and do this. Um, I always have them take a step back whenever they're, you know, really eager um, and just almost have a blinders on. Well, and, and so, you know, let's think about somebody who's a, an early stage founder. Um, they're, you know, the wearing the many hats, right. And they're under-resourced and understaffed and underutilized and they're getting pulled like taffy in many different directions. Right. I think that's a pretty familiar place for founders. Even if they've moved past that, they can remember it in their DNA. So hearing the idea of taking a pause and thinking about the why makes a lot of sense, but I can also see the natural inclination of, but I just need somebody. I just have to have somebody in this role. And can I just go hire this, you know, amazing person and look at the resume? Um, how do you walk them through that? And, and, you know, what do you tell them is the advantage of thinking it through? Or maybe the disadvantage of, hey, if you, if you pull the trigger on somebody without really thinking it, here's what happens. Right. So, you know, one of them is, um, you know, you want to make sure you have the right person on your team. And if they're really just, um, you know, going to be focused on, I've got to, I just have to get somebody to fill a seat. Then, you know, it's, again, it's, how do you take a step back on that? Um, you know, you're looking to build a team, building a culture, and those people need to, to fit into that. Um, you know, there's people with great talent that don't have, don't have the cultural fit and, you need to look at what's the compromise of, of doing that. So what I really do is just try to ground them in what's the culture of the company. Um, and if they're really just hard set in, you know, I just want somebody to fill the role. Sometimes, you know, at a lower level position, you need somebody to, you know, to get in, um, solve a problem. Are they a contractor that you can, uh, that you can hire at? Um, you know, but if it's if somebody is really joining your team, then it's very much, you know, you need to look at the person, the head and the heart, not just what can they, what can they operationally bring or strategically bring to the company. And so I get them to, to start looking at how do you look at, you know, the community that you're building and in the person and that each individual, each of these individual people have to join a collective. And, and that usually gets them thinking about, okay, I need to actually speak to the person. There's also just having them reflect back on, okay, let's look at some of the people who have come in and also left. What are some of the mistakes that you've made in hiring? And let's go ahead and, and, and look and see where were, where were some of the mistakes? Um, what were some of the pieces that you, in hindsight, had seen, and now let's go ahead and correct for? And more times than not, it's, try to rush too fast, try to just get somebody to fill the seat and let's just ignore some of the, some of the challenges that may be inconvenient because I really just want this, I just want this seat filled. Well, and I think one of the advantages of having someone like you come in and help organizations is you can have a slightly different point of view than the founder or 
the leadership team that's, you know, in the weeds, so to speak, that they're in in the daily grind of building the company and, and what that looks like. You can come in and have maybe this longer horizon and look out over a couple of years and see where they want to go. So, you know, do you have any thoughts or do you work with the organization to start thinking about their hiring decisions, about the types of teams they're building and what that looks like against a longer term vision? And, and what do you do to coach them around that? Yeah, so part of it is just understanding what parts of your business are growing quickly and what parts um, are, I guess, you know, different segments will have different different growth rates that, um, you know, in an operations, you know, side, I may need to get six months ahead, but in a sales, um, in my sales team, I want to, may want to be looking at how do I start hiring 18 months ahead um, and looking at the organization. So part of them is, is getting to actually plan out what is your what do your what are the size what's the scale what's the expertise that is needed because somebody who can be you have an operations person that's successful at you know 10 million customers you go to 100 million it's now way beyond their field of expertise so being able to map out how quickly is the company growing and be able to map the organization i have right now do we have the expertise for 12, 18 months. So part of it, just that thought exercise around it. And, and the next piece is really just looking at, you know, where, where are our gaps and in getting them used to and comfortable with this concept of, you know, in a startup that's growing quickly, there's something that's always broken. And as soon as you finish and you fix one thing, you are going to break something else because that's going to unblock. So having to be able to look at what are those waves that are taking place? you know, purely just the capability that we need to have. And in another aspect, and at LinkedIn, one of the things that we did is we went out and talked to about 30 different CEOs, managing directors of companies that were what we call hyper growth. So at least three years of 100% year on year growth. And we had several key learnings. One of those that came out that was loud and clear between all of them is that it's like organizational design is a real key to their success. Um, That's one of the lessons that they learn, you know, many cases after a failure or after, you know, getting squeezed by it, but looking at how am I going to not just grow my, my capability, what's the leadership of the organization looking like? And um, you don't want to grow too quickly or too top heavy, but at the same time, you can have some really key leaders who have seen the next level of scale and start to put some of that um, operational maturity and also just the understanding of, hey, look, in this phase of scale, something is always broken and you need to have people who are comfortable and familiar with working in places where things are going wrong and it's your responsibility to pick them up, understand what they are, keep them moving, and that's common, that's normal. So part of them is just getting to understand that whole that whole 360 and then that gives them a better understanding of the types of people that they need to have. And then they can help understand, well, what kind of an organization do we have? What do we have right now? So it's part of just talking them through that, uh, the, what happens in, in the normal space of high growth and that, you know, can heart that can help them um, understand where their organization needs to go as well. Well, what an awesome experience of being able to be at LinkedIn at that time and be able to audit and look at these, you know, 30 high growth companies and start to see some of the patterns of behavior 
I, I imagine that became, to a large part, a lot of the building blocks of your your practice and the kind of work that you do is seeing these um, seeing these companies and these leaders go through this you know challenge of high growth, and then being able to come out of the other side of that and be able to work with people and give them some of the lessons learned from that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's and you know that that part of the journey is it was so fun. And it's an incredible part. Um, you know, there's, there's so much excitement at the same time. There's so much stress through that as well. So being able to help from getting help basically from people who have been there, which is what helped me through it all. So being able to, to give that back as well is great fun. Well, and you know, you kind of touched on something there for a second, which is the, the idea of the stress, right? I, I think there's this belief that, when you have made it, right, or your things are going really well and the company's booming, that all of a sudden your problems go away. Similarly and analogously to, you know, we, we talked to one founder who said, you know, that the, one of the more challenging things that happened to them was after they sold the company and they now had this proverbial pile of money is when the problem started, right? That, that the, the success was in itself its own challenge. And so it sounds like, again, um, everyone understands the challenge when things are hard, but there's the challenges of when things are going well. Yes, absolutely. And I, I you know, to me, I say it, it's like, no matter where you go, there you are. <laughs> right. Um, you know, success has its own challenges because you're showing up there. Um, and it is, I mean, having, having had, you know, a, a successful exit and, you know, looking at the other side, okay, what does life look like? Then it really is like, you know, your, their life is about challenges and it's really about how you navigate those challenges. And, um, you know, looking at here's a problem in front of me and here's what's, here's what's happening and I can't solve a problem I'm not willing to have. So um, embrace it. And, you know, that's really what I help, you know, with founders a lot is, you know, there's, and even investing when I, when I work with people, I'll ask them about, you know, what do, what do you find the most challenging about success? What's the most challenging about, um, you know, how you embrace your own discomfort in being a CEO, being a founder? Um, what are the doubts you have, you know, internally with yourself? And, you know, getting into that kind of a conversation, then you start to speak to really what the heart of what matters, which is, you know, where am I in relation to my own self-confidence or my own self-doubt, which is what, you know, we all have a spectrum of that. Well, you touched on the investing piece and we're going to get to that here in a little bit, but one of the hallmarks, one of the things that you, you talk on and coach on is this idea of the cost of compromise. And I'd love to just have you talk a little bit about that concept because I think it plays in very nicely to some of the challenges you were just talking of and how you frame that for founders and what that looks like. Okay. Yeah. So for me, you know, this cost of compromise, I'll kind of set it up as a little bit of a story. I've got a seven-year-old daughter when I was at LinkedIn. She was born end of November. We have our big annual planning. Everybody flies in, um, present the big plans. And I had to fly to the U.S. 10 days after she was born, which, you know, it was, I was super excited about. We're, you know, pumped. We had a great, incredible plan. And then went over it with a friend of mine who at the end of it said, you know, by the end of your trip, you will have missed half your daughter's life. 
And it was one of those, it's like, oh man, only a really good friend can say something like that. <laughs> you know, but it was true. You know, I, I was going to be gone for a little over a week and my daughter was just a little over a week old. Um, and I was like, wow, you know, there's a compromise that I wasn't even, you know, aware of, um, you know, at that kind of a level. And, and so it really got me thinking about this whole concept. And so it really is, I see it as it's, you know, there's, there's the compromise of, um, you know, compromise around money and uh, time and also around integrity. And, you know, integrity of, well, you know, am I, am I working for a company whose mission I really don't resonate with or the overall purpose really doesn't resonate with me? You know, it's not like it's a matter of, um, you know, there's criminal activity or something like that, but there's small pieces around integrity of, you know, who am I as a father? Who am I as a husband? And so it's to, to take a look at that, um, where my beliefs and values are and understand that there'll be compromises along the way. You know, there was an incredible position at LinkedIn with a company growing incredibly fast and, you know, my compromise was, you know, I am, I am focusing on my, on my career in this position. And then when confronted with a different change of life as my first child, then it's like, oh, wow, now the compromise looks different. And what that really showed me was it was a very much around awareness and um, how aware am I of the compromises that I'm making? And some of them are quite subtle and some of them are not. But um, equating that back to, is it time, money, or my, my own integrity? When I just looked at it in those three lenses and just isolate for that, then I found that that really you know, greatly raised my awareness, certainly does with a lot of clients that I work with. And just to be aware of that and say, you know, for this phase of my life right now, I'm making a conscious choice to focus on, um, I'm a founder, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to get this thing, um, you know, to a particular point, my relationships that I have, then I know I'm compromising on those, but it's my actual conscious choice. And then you may find that it shifts, but you know, for me, it's around coaching them. Of, let's be really aware of it and um and confront this head on versus being you know five years down the road you know gain 10 15 pounds a year lose more relationships lose a marriage um and and be surprised by that so that's my more of my phrase is you know make a conscious choice about what you're doing well, and I think that was the thing that I was picking up as you were as you were talking about this is this idea of being conscious of the choice. I think a lot of founders, uh, one of the things that we heard from them was, "I'm going to focus my energy on this thing and solve it," but it wasn't really a conscious choice. They weren't thinking about the implications or the ramifications. They were thinking about the singular focus and not really thinking about what they were giving up, not thinking about the costs associated to it. It was right. more just about, I'm going to go do this thing. And, and not really being aware of what that decision meant and what the, the impact was. So it sounds like you, you bring that to the forefront and help them be aware of it and help coach them and walk them through that whole process. Right. Absolutely. Because otherwise, it's going to come out, right? The unconscious will 
you know, will, will come out. And, you know, it can come out in passive-aggressive behaviors, you know, at, at work. It, you know, it can come out in all kinds of different ways. Yeah, so it's just be aware of those and, and realize that you may have to make some hard choices around that too. Well, and I think the other thing that it does, but I'd love to get your perspective on this, is it's one thing to say, oh, I'm going to go do this thing for a period of time. And, and maybe even in the back of their head, they think, oh, it's going to be a year or two, and I'm just going to dedicate my life to this. But then, as you sort of pointed out a little bit earlier, you wake up and that year or two has now become five or seven or ten. Um, the, the time horizon has shifted, but maybe your goals haven't. And so, that cost of compromise is maybe greater than you thought it was, and you do wake up, lost relationships, lost friendships, lost health, lost mental sanity, um, something has to give someplace. And, and so I think, you know, your perspective of making them aware of it and walking them and coaching them through that uh, it helps to avoid some of those surprises, those, you know, waking up one morning and finding yourself in situation X when you didn't really expect to be there. Right. Absolutely. Well, perfect. Okay. So um, are we gonna, we're going to shift a little bit because I think one of the things I, I, I love talking about with you in particular is not only just the executive coaching and working with the founders, but you know, you're also having been through this and having worked with them, you're also an investor yourself and you've invested in a, you know, a number of companies over the years as that very early stage investor. So let's, let's shift a little and talk about, okay, as a founder is starting to look at um, financial options, they're looking at angel funding, they're looking at those earliest stages. Um, what is it that sets in your mind someone apart? What gets you to invest in them? What are some of the hallmarks or traits about them? Because I think founders, again, this is an area where a lot of them struggle on how do you set yourself apart? And we'd love to hear it from your point of view of, okay, what is that? Yeah. Well, for me, um, you know, especially with, with founders or when I invest in um, an early stage company, then it's very much, I need to have a solid belief in the founder, not just as somebody who's going to run the business, but as, as a person. And I talked before, you know, like I want to understand, I talk to them about what's your journey? What have you learned through this? Um, what have you learned from the successes and failures? And, you know, how do you embrace discomfort? I want to know, I want to understand them and, and understand if they're aware of themselves as well. Because one thing that I've found from investing in companies, some of them have done well, some of them have gone, you know, to zero, then, um, and the coaching is, you know, it is a, it's an ever-changing environment. And the founder who's successful as a founder, I think, who is more and more aware of themselves, how they get in their own way, and then also how they get out of their own way. Um, how do they over-index on where they're strong, and how do they hire for the places where they're not? Um, you know, it's certainly, you know, try to enhance yourself, but if there's an area that you're just not strong in, make sure you hire somebody who's much better than you in that. And, um, I want somebody who doesn't have such an ego to say that I'm going to be the best at everything. You know, I want somebody who, you know, has the, has the tenacity and has the, the conviction to say that I can succeed through anything. Um, and I'm going to build a great team around me. You know, so that's, that's really one of the things I look for. 
I remember one of the things that, that struck me when um, I'll bridge over to something, I was sneaking to Reed Hoffman when I was first interviewing for the job at LinkedIn, and he had um, he was the CEO originally and then handed over to Dan, Dan Nye as the CEO who had been there about six months by the time I started, I think. And I asked Reed, I said, why did you step down as CEO? And his answer was, well, it's obvious. I'm not the best one to be CEO. Um, you know, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm not. And the things that I'm not is what a CEO needs to be great at. And it was just really matter of fact. And I think that, you know, Reed really embodied that whole thing of, you know, over-index where you're strong and hire great teams. And if you look, you know, LinkedIn's had, you know, with, uh, with Jeff Weiner, a great CEO, and um, Reed continues to be incredibly successful at other things that he's doing. And, you know, it's looking for somebody who has the character to do that as well. Well, and, and one of our other founders talked about this as this idea of self-awareness and having self-awareness as uh, a real challenge for, for most people, not just founders, but most people being really aware of what you are, what you can do, what you're good at, what you're not. And many, many of us can look at it and say, well, I'm really good at these couple of things, but it's hard for a lot of us to look at and say, hey, I've really got gaps. And, and I think that's a real challenge for people is to find where those gaps are, understand where those gaps are and be aware of them. And then also be able to step up and say, hey, this isn't an area that I'm strong in and I need someone to come in and, and, uh, and manage this or run this or do this part of the business for me. That's, I think, fairly rare. It's, I'm seeing it more and more prevalent, but I, I agree with you. It's, um, <clears throat> I think there's some of the mistrust around, you know, some of the interviewing that's, you know, tell me your faults and I'll use them against you types of thing, where for me, it's more of, look, we all have faults. We're human. And, you know, the, the one that I want to, the one that I want to invest in is the one who actually just grocks that, that I'm human. And I make failures and um, I make mistakes. And, you know, it's the way that I embrace the discomfort around that and embrace being wrong um, that's going to make me better. And, you know, so those are, that's what I look for in a, in a founder. And they've seen the ones that even when, you know, things inevitably, you know, don't go the way as planned, they're the ones that don't get bent around the axle about it because they were wrong. It's like, Oh, great. Another way to learn. Let's keep moving. Yeah. You actually just answered the follow up question that I was going to have, which was going to, which was going to talk to that. Um, so it's like, you're my mind reader. So, um, so, you know, along the way, as you've been investing in, in some of these, you've been looking and you've been talking um, again, you know, we don't, we don't want you to necessarily mention any names, but, I'm sure at some point there was like one or two of them where you thought, oh, I think this thing really has legs. And then it kind of didn't go anywhere. It ended up failing, even if you really had faith in that founder. Were any lessons that you've learned along the way of, you know, some of those surprises and, and why it happened? And maybe it was, you know, something that could have been adjusted and maybe it wasn't, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I have a couple of those, you know, and, and one was, it was interesting that there was, um, there was a company that I ended up investing in where at first I had spoken to them and, and passed and another friend had said, Oh no, 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 no. You know, did you see this and this? And, and one of it was, I was, 
I kind of allowed myself to be talked into um, something more where I was thinking, oh, wow, maybe I, I, mean, I had missed that. And, you know, the big thing when I reflect back is I didn't trust my gut on, mm. on the person. This was really early on. It's probably the second or third investment that I had, that I had made. And I, I questioned myself for one. And then I questioned my, there is, there was something that wasn't right about the founder that I didn't, um, you know, it was a niggle that I had had and I hadn't really been able to articulate it. And now, you know, what I've just spoken about is how do you embrace um, being wrong? Um, knowing your own ego and stepping out of your own way. You know, I, I wasn't really asking those kind of questions so poignantly then. And that was exactly what, what the issue was. And, you know, for me, there was great learning in, um, one, understanding how am I going to vet somebody, not just on the company, but them as an individual. Um, and, and the other piece was I, I went against my own gut feeling and allowed a more logical, well, if these business components are true, therefore it will be able to outlast um, a potentially bad CEO, which the answer is no. <laughs> uh, it could possibly, yes, you know, in, in some in some way, but no, it really is it, it really is the the leader that I'm investing in most of all. You know, so that was one of the big lessons that I had. Um, I had learned, you know, there was another one, um, which, you know, that really came down to, it was, they had, they had decided to, um, you know, raise a smaller round at the beginning and then, you know, be able to prove, you know, this, this great product, um, in a really short period of time. And they just really underfunded it. And, um, and, and the, the CEO, he wasn't so upfront about exactly, you know, how the fundraising was going and how much, how much, uh, of a challenge he was running into. And he, it was just the disclosure wasn't there. And, um, you know, it's one of the things that I learned is that, you know, ask, you know, ask a lot of detailed questions when, um, you know, especially around funding levels not being met, um, you know, not being able to fill the round as much as they originally expected. And, um, in, a, in basically, you know, do a lot more research on that. And that was actually my first investment that I had made. Um, and, and really it was around, you know, knowing that I could ask the more, the more tougher, um, more poignant uh, questions to the CEOs as an investor. You know, again, that was that was a good lesson learned quickly. But you know, both of those were, you know, how did how did I understand exactly what I was doing um, with CEOs that were also first time at doing what they're doing? So it was an interesting dance of of trying to get into the investing side. Well, I'm going to recall back to what you were saying here about sort of trusting your gut and trusting your own instincts and, and uh, really listening to your own advice. I think that's one that, uh, again, not just founders, but all of us sort of fall into of um, being talked into something, not trusting our guts, uh, ignoring what our own sort of internal counsel is saying. And, and, you know, 
oftentimes, sometimes we're surprised and we, you know, even working against our own best counsel, we do something well, but oftentimes I think most people realize that, uh, missing that, not listening to that is uh, generally a recipe for failure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is, I think there is a stronger inner wisdom that we, we give ourselves credit for at times. I like that. Okay. That's a, that's a good one for us to sort of go into our final question on, which is, um, uh, okay, so let's, let's share some of your inner wisdom here. Uh, Kevin, I'd love to have you, anything we didn't cover, any thoughts, you know, thinking of founders, thinking about the people that you typically do your executive coaching with, uh, you know, let's leave with a couple of closing thoughts on helping these founders become better people and build better products. Um, what would your, what would your last bit of counsel be? No, I would say is look for the, look for the people who rub you the wrong way in a, in a, in a sense that, you know, when that trigger you in some way that, Oh, you know, just by the way that their tone of voice, um, you know, puts me off or the way that they always do something, you know, it's that, um, the triggering people like in, in many ways are the ones that are our biggest teachers and, or the person that will throw you off your game, you know, so to speak, are the ones that, you know, really get curious and dig into where am I going? Not what they're doing. Um, but where am I going because of this? How old do I feel? Um, you know, is there a similar situation where I've been in this before? where it's this compulsive automatic behavior of being triggered by someone, which I said before, you know, kind of no matter where you go, there you are, is, um, you know, where I'm showing up disempowered and just get really curious around that. Um, and, you know, for me, I think that's, you know, when we're on our game and we're great, things are awesome. But when you start to stumble, <clears throat> how do you catch yourself? and just stand up time and time again, because as a founder and a CEO, <clears throat> you're going to struggle. Um, you're going to fail. You're going to have times that just did absolutely not go the way you expected it. And you need to stand strong in those times. Um, and for me, it's exploring those trigger points are the ones that I think yield the most growth. So you can stand in times of trouble and, and absolutely, own your own success because there's certainly struggle that goes around your success as well. Oh, those are, those are awesome. Okay. Those are great ones to leave off of. Um, Kevin, I feel like I've had my own executive coaching session just by sitting down and being able to talk with you. So um, for me personally, this is just such a great interview and I'd loved hearing your thoughts around uh, you know, how, how you hire and look for great teams, how you coach people through the process and then how ultimately you know, these investors helped to start to stand out and then some tips and tricks at the end. That was a great um, use of the time in the podcast. So before I let you go, if, um, if you've captured people's interest and, and suddenly they're thinking, wow, I want, I want more of what Kevin has to offer, how do people find you? Uh, well, LinkedIn is a great place. Um, <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, really that's the best place through LinkedIn. And um, I have a website, which is airs, E-Y-R-E-S dot com. Perfect. Well, Kevin, thank you so much. The, the insights on this were fantastic. Uh, love the conversation. And, you know, I wish you uh, every success. And, and thanks for uh, joining us here on the podcast and for the book. Great. Thank you very much. Glad to be a help. 
All right. That was fantastic. I, I love talking to Kevin. This guy knows his stuff. He really understands this idea of organizational design, even at those earliest stages, really starting to understand the kind of people you want to bring on. And again, we see this with founders all the time, early stage executives, they're thinking about just getting that next butt in seat. And you do that one time, you do that two times, do it 10 times. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a culture around you. You've got a group of people that are defining the way your company is going to behave. Do you want to be in front of that or do you want to be behind it? Kevin really helps organizations start to think about that at the earliest stages. It doesn't have to be a week-long strategy session. It can be sitting down for an hour on a whiteboard and really defining who you are as a company. So if you want to keep following Kevin, and I suggest you do, well, you can follow him on Twitter, and that's Kevin Ayers. That's E-Y-R-E-S, Kevin Ayers on Twitter. He's also same name on LinkedIn or on his website, super simple, just Ayers.com. Well, for me, well, I'd appreciate it if you'd go ahead and check out the book, which is now available on pre-order. That's Beyond Product. You can find that, additional podcasts, some great content on talent, the blogs, the website, everything is on foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co, the place where exceptional founders grow. Thanks for listening. Look forward to talking to you next week when we dive a little bit deeper on talent. Until then, have a great day. You've been listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.